1: The arguments are getting louder in Tulsa.
2: This is bull, what we are doing and what we have done to Black people
3: in this city forever. This generation deserves better. We had a massacre and you guys are apologizing for it without reparations.
1: Today, the same mayor who they praised as a hero in Black neighborhoods just a few years ago is now being condemned by some of those same voices.
4: I don't take it personally. I'm the CEO of an organization that did not do all it could to try and find these victims for nearly a hundred years. And I would be suspicious of the city too.
1: You see, there are many people here demanding justice, especially after the mayor promised them a real murder investigation into the racial violence that took place here in 1921. And the scientists digging through the earth for clues are finding bodies.
5: Three more remains were discovered at a mass grave at Oaklawn Cemetery.
1: But some people feel they're not doing nearly as well finding answers.
5: We've been doing this for two or three years now, and
3: you're still angry. And I, I get it.
1: The questions turned a century old last summer. Who killed the families of Black Wall Street? Where did the racists from way back then bury all the proof? And what justice, if any, do the surviving black families deserve today? I'm Steve Osinsami, a senior national correspondent at ABC News, and this is Tulsa's Buried Truth. Can anybody hear
3: me? Okay, now I can.
1: Any other time, and this would have been a standing room only meeting in a sweaty city council chamber in downtown Tulsa.
3: I was worried too. I couldn't hear anybody.
1: But this is March of 2022 during the pandemic, and safety measures are still keeping meetings remote. So all eyes are on cell phones and computer screens at home. In this meeting, they're hearing from the team that's been hired to help solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we are meeting once again, and I'm hoping very much that uh, we will see progress in today's meeting. And On this virtual call are city leaders and forensic investigators, led by Dr. Phoebe Stubblefield.
3: All right, Uh, good afternoon, or evening, rather, everyone. So uh, I'm going
1: to. She's an award winning forensic anthropologist who's here from the University of Florida.
3: So we have been excavating, looking for victims of the
1: Tulsa. She's one of the few black women in her field with family who survived the race massacre. And her team made an alarming discovery deep in Tulsa's red dirt. In a mass, unmarked grave, they found the 100 year old remains of 19 people. And it pretty much said to folks, well, here's more proof to add to the pile that the Tulsa race massacre really did happen and that someone tried to hide the bodies.
3: Because there is no documentation of the burials in that cemetery in general, the headstones above ground aren't aren't documented.
1: They've been searching for years, mostly at Oaklawn Cemetery on the east side of town.
3: We have some exciting results from the 2021 uh, June excavation. So I'll show you again. And
1: those exciting results came after following what you might call breadcrumbs left by old newspapers. On those wrinkled yellow pages, the investigators learned that the murderers buried their victims in plain caskets. The Tulsa Daily World, for example, June 3rd, 1921. They write about, quote, 13 other Negroes who were buried separately and in plain caskets. And according to the newspaper, there was, quote, some trouble experienced in getting the graves dug and that several blacks volunteered for the work. We
3: really have those reports at the time. We have a lot to thank them for.
1: Uh- it's because of those old newspapers that the scientists knew what to look for. They found dozens of plain caskets last summer that no one had ever documented in any records. She explains that they recovered the 19 bodies from inside those coffins. And after studying the structure of the skulls, they believe that they were all African-American. Five of them were children, eight were men, six were women. And one of those women came with a heartbreaking discovery.
3: There was a unique one where the uh, lady in Burial 4, she had a near term pregnancy. Notice I didn't say that she died in childbirth because that was not indicated just that she was pregnant at the time of death.
1: For many of the black families here who've overcome so much and were listening in, it felt like the road to justice was about to get a few more bricks laid down by these investigators. Maybe this would finally convince today's public officials to truly answer for yesterday's crimes. But anyone who was hoping to hear that, yes, for sure, these people were killed by the racists of yesteryear, was about to leave this meeting frustrated and unsatisfied. At this point, investigators could only suggest that just one of the victims was actually killed in the massacre.
3: So out of the males that were in these plain coffins, only one has the multiple gunshot wounds. We do have an individual that matches all the criteria we need to go forward, but we only have one.
1: It's not what many who were dialed in wanted to hear. They can't believe that the experts had any doubt that these were all victims of the same racist mob.
3: How can you walk away from this Is saying I did everything that I could do to find those massacre victims. Every Uh, victim uh, of this massacre was loved by someone too. Yeah. And that's why I care to find Um, them. Don't don't cut me off. Don't cut me off. Um, Don't do that. So, you, Chrissy, you go ahead and finish. Go ahead and finish. No, you go ahead and finish. How about that? I really want to encourage all of you out there. I know um, there will be no end to your anger.
1: Things didn't get any smoother when the investigators shared that they need more help from these same frustrated listeners. It's a tough ask. They're encouraging black families here to give them DNA samples to compare with samples from the bodies they found. And their plan is to send those samples to a lab in Utah that specializes in solving old murders.
3: If you have an interest or suspicion of relationship to these remains, please consider engaging with our, our process of requiring family reference
1: samples. But the families don't really trust the scientists because of the decades of getting nowhere with authorities. The Black families of Tulsa have been hoping for more, for fairness, and for justice for a mighty long time. For someone to pay for the homes and businesses that they had to build again. For anyone to find the victims who they were never allowed to bury with dignity and grace. This roller coaster ride of trust dates back to when black families first got here in the late 1800s. Black Wall Street, as they called it was like a diamond created by the ugly pressures of America's racism. If you were Black at the time and needed a dress or shoes or even a loaf of bread, you could buy them here. You didn't have to risk your life walking through white neighborhoods and buying those things in white-owned stores. It was the pride and joy of Black America. But it was also the envy of many white neighbors who lived on the other side of the railroad tracks that cut Tulsa in two. Black Wall Street was an economy unto itself. It wasn't unusual here for a black neighbor to live better than a white one. And that was a problem. Historians say that the white resentment turned violent on the last weekend of May of 1921. Days because she was just In this old recording, a former mayor of Tulsa says he could only watch as neighbors he knew were dragging black victims through
5: the streets. And uh, we saw a man uh, with a rope around his neck, drug behind a car, going down First
6: Street.
1: It was a terrible thing. There was many, many people killed, many black people killed. A state investigation put the number killed as high as 300 and more than 1,200 homes were burned to the ground. It's our pleasure to welcome you to Tulsa, where the local time is. Fast forward 100 years to the day, and I'm on a plane traveling again to Black Wall Street on Memorial Day weekend in 2021. After decades of people here trying to convince the whole world that the massacre really happened, it now feels like everyone is here in Tulsa to catch up with the story. The last few years have brought a cultural shift. The history of the Tulsa Massacre went from a tragedy that was poorly told to the storyline of popular films and television series. On this Memorial Day weekend, there are news cameras on every corner. The hotels, the streets, and the sidewalks are filled with people. It almost feels like a celebration. You can see, smell, and hear the money. But what's not as clear to the eye and ear is this tension that's underneath. That's the sound of the new $20 million history center that they were still building at the time. It sits right in the heart of the neighborhood and corporate sponsors are paying the bills. They're planning a dedication here at the end of the weekend. And there are more dollars behind a big event Monday night at a baseball field nearby where musician John Legend is scheduled to sing his Oscar-winning song. But just a few days before the event, Mr. Legend called to say that he wasn't coming. And Stacey Abrams, the black voting rights activist who was supposed to give the keynote speech, breaking news story that we wanted to tell you about quickly, she decided that she wasn't coming either. The Tulsa Race Massacre
4: Centennial Commission says Monday's highly anticipated event has been canceled.
1: Something was going on behind the scenes.
4: This is due to unexpected circumstances with entertainers and speakers. The commission says
1: Fred Jones is one of the black organizers who put a lot of energy into this. He stepped in front of the cameras to try and explain.
6: Really disappointed about John Legend and Stacey Abrams pulling out. The reason that I'm hearing is financial.
1: Yes, the reason was financial, but not in the way you might think. Neither John Legend nor Stacey Abrams were dropping out because they wanted money for themselves. Wasn't that at all? They were dropping out because of the growing fight over spending so much money on these weekend events without giving a single dime to any of the living massacre survivors. Now, we didn't hear from Abrams' team, but the day before the event was supposed to happen, John Legend shared some of his feelings on Twitter, saying that, while we won't be together tomorrow, I look forward to visiting with you in the near future, and most importantly, he continued, to a true reckoning and reparations for the survivors and their descendants. You see, while a number of the Black organizers here have raised all kinds of cash for parties, concerts, dinners, and millions for the new History Center, not a penny of this money was going into the pockets of any of the three survivors. And for many Black Americans everywhere, this was a problem.
3: Nobody's a bigger John Legend fan than probably me. I was ready to be in the stadium just like everybody else.
1: That's Phil Armstrong. He's another one of the Black fundraisers. He's also in charge of the New History Center. Listen as he takes questions from a Tulsa reporter who gets to the bottom of the issue. We're hearing, Phil, that there were demands for reparations from the survivors, um, $1 million apiece. Did you all receive those
3: demands? Well, see, you know, they're, they're, uh, I have to be careful because I'm not an attorney, and, but I know that they are represented by legal counsel. And so those are questions.
1: It took a few days, but he and his team ended up admitting what happened. Their first issue was hugely unfortunate. They somehow failed to build their weekend plans and dedications around the living survivors. They weren't in the programs. And then there was the fight over money. It turns out that, yes, the organizers were asked to give some sort of donation to the three survivors. And initially, they actually agreed to give them $100,000 each. They also agreed to give another two million dollars to what they were calling a quote, reparations fund for other families. It was one
3: week and we did it. We raised the money and we were excited that survivors were going to accept these gifts. Unfortunately,
1: But the black fundraisers say that then another call came a little later asking for more. This time, a million dollars going to each survivor and $50 million for the fund.
3: We could not respond to those demands. So to be clear, I absolutely want the survivors, the descendants, and others that were affected to be financially and emotionally supported. However, this is not
2: the way, no matter how hard we try.
1: What's really happening here, overall, is very much like a family fight in public view. It's like they're airing the dirty laundry. You've got the black people in this community with some power who've helped raise some really big dollars, now being looked at a little sideways by other black stakeholders. The people raising the money say that the fancy buildings and parties are good for the cause and will help spread the story of the massacre. But the Black folks working more closely with the surviving families wonder why more of this money isn't going to the people who actually live the story. So what say the survivors, who are each more than 100 years old? Well, over this 100-year anniversary weekend, they are voting with their feet. They are the stars at competing events that had nothing to do with the city or its big money donors.
2: Oh my goodness, two of my favorites just walked in, y'all.
1: On one of the nights, they walk in wearing basketball jerseys from the Oklahoma City Thunder, the state's NBA team. And the crowd goes wild, cheering them on like they were the starters on the team. The energy is all about celebrating heroes. And this is all happening at the same time as an emotional meeting downtown at City Hall. I walk in the building. My producers and I wait in long lines to pass through metal detectors and then find seats in the crowded room. And my goodness, it's steaming hot in here. There's a lot at stake and an important vote.
3: Please quiet down. We're gonna get started again.
1: This is the evening. The city council could decide to pass a resolution where Tulsa officially apologizes for the race massacre a hundred years later. And the city leaders might even agree to consider whether the victims of the massacre need to be paid. You can make the right choice right now. You can stand on the right side of history, have the courage to make the morally right decision. That is all we're asking. It's one person after another stepping up to the mic, demanding that the city make amends.
2: This is bull. what we are doing and what we have done to black people in this city forever.
1: So many of them have words for Tulsa's mayor, someone I've mentioned a few times already. But in Tulsa, the city council works independently from the mayor, so he isn't in the room to hear. And you know, some of the most passionate speakers are white.
3: One of the things I keep hearing the mayor say is that this generation of Tulsans doesn't need to be penalized for the other, the past sins. Let me be very clear. This is not a penalty for me. I would pay whatever I need to pay. We come together as Tulsans when there's tornadoes. We come together as Tulsans when there's floods. And I've heard the mayor say these very same things. So I'm using his words. It's never too late to do the right thing. I've heard him say it.
1: A few minutes later.
3: Are you ready for a motion? Counselor Dr. Wright? Yes. Counselor Lakin?
1: Yes.
6: Counselor Fowler?
1: Yes. The vote is unanimous. Yes. Yes.
6: Counselor Patrick? Yes. Counselor McKee? Yes.
1: The city lawyer immediately steps up and points out that for now, this is just an apology and didn't mean the city would be paying anyone anything. And there's all this talk about the mayor. Many of them feel he is standing in the way of cash payments to the victims and the surviving families. His name was still on the lips of people as the meeting ended and as they were walking out the door. Mayor, thank you. Um, Really appreciate it. Um, If there's any other point... We've talked with Mayor G.T. Bynum before, but here he is sitting down with me recently, responding to all the earfuls I've heard about what he has or hasn't done right. We spoke just a few weeks after that report in March of 2022 on the bodies that investigators couldn't connect to the 1921 massacre, the report that frustrated so many.
4: In anything important that you do, uh, you're going to be subject to criticism.
1: And it must be said, this is a white mayor who was widely celebrated by black Americans here just a few years ago. You see, he ordered the search for the missing bodies, even when many here in Tulsa felt it was a waste of time and money. He now says he knows that many black families feel that he too has let them down. But he told me, He doesn't take it personally.
4: The most important thing is that we find our fellow Tulsans who were murdered in the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. For me, uh, I have confidence that if we can just find these folks, that the criticism will be a thing of the past. Then on the other side, I've got people saying, wow, you're spending how many hundreds of thousands of dollars on this investigation when my streets are in bad shape and we don't have enough cops on the street?
1: You've been getting grief from white families, it sounds like.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, yep. Uh, accosted in a restaurant with my kids one time uh, by a lady who said, you're trying to make all the white people who lived in Tulsa in 1921 look bad. And I said, my family were white people who lived in Tulsa in 1921. <laughs> I'm not trying to make them look bad. Uh, but if your family were murdered, wouldn't you
1: want to know what happened to them? As you can hear, he's not afraid at all to call what happened here a mass murder with victims who need justice. And he says that delivering this justice is the most basic thing his city should do. But he still feels strongly that today's taxpayers shouldn't have to pay anyone for yesterday's crimes.
4: I want to be crystal clear because it's, it's a really important nuance in this. I am not opposed to cash payments to descendants and the victims. It's where the money comes from that, for me,
1: is important. There is the feeling that if you were truly committed to justice, that you wouldn't be opposed to payments to these families. Uh, I'm not
4: opposed to reparations. I'm not opposed to finding ways to do right by... Uh, the descendants of victims. What I am opposed to is enriching and making millionaires out of trial lawyers at the expense of those victims and their families. And I'm also opposed to levying a tax on this generation of Tulsans who are at no fault.
1: The mayor's not alone. To many here and across America, it just feels wrong to make today's taxpayers responsible for the actions of people who lived here 100 years ago but to many others, there's no justice and no healing without financial accountability. Coming up, the fight over payments heads to court and leading the way is one of the survivors who's more than a century old.
6: My name is Viola Ford Fletcher, 107 years old. So many people lost their homes and family members and furniture, everything, their possessions, cars. (laughs) This is a big loss.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you'd do with an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? We often find ourselves wishing for more time, but the real question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The key to squeezing that special thing into your schedule is knowing what's truly important to you and making it a priority. That's where therapy comes in. It's not just about dealing with problems, it's about finding what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you've tried therapy, you know how beneficial it can be. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's a tool for learning positive coping skills, setting boundaries, and empowering yourself to be the best version of you. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part? You can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. So whether it's finding that extra hour for yourself or embarking on a journey of self-discovery, therapy can be a game changer. Take the first step with BetterHelp and make your mental health a priority. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/reclaimed to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp hel reclaimed Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance: superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered.
1: With great love and respect, they call her Mother Fletcher. She's the oldest living survivor of the Tulsa Race Massacre. When you hear people question, why should someone today pay for the sins of their fathers? What do you say to those people to try and change their mind?
6: Well, I think they should pay It's a way of, you know, returning the favor to the families that lost everything.
1: She tells me she needs the government to pay for what was stolen from her before she leaves this earth. I wish you could see her right now. She's a small woman with white hair, glasses, pearl earrings, and neatly applied red lipstick. She doesn't sound how I expected for her age. Her voice is clear. And she remembers what happened here when she was just seven years old, like it was yesterday. It happened
6: that night when we were aroused by the parents, what was going on, all the shooting and killing and fires and airplanes, people screaming, people lying on the streets were bleeding. Someone came to the neighborhood saying that all the black people should get out of town that the white people was killing everyone.
1: You remember someone coming and and, and yeah. basically telling you to yes,
6: run? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We all was on the run after we heard that report. Yes. yes. Well, everybody was running, trying to escape, you know, because the houses was on fire. You had to leave the burning house. And so it's just trying to get away, I guess, for safety.
1: She told us something we've heard before in other stories of survival, how she stayed alive by hiding in a chicken coop until it was safe to find her family. Where did you go?
6: We went to some town, uh, Claremore, it was
1: called. The town of Claremore is at least a 10-hour walk from Tulsa. And when her family left, she says their home was still standing. But the fires destroyed it all after the mob took everything inside. She tells me that even now, she still loses sleep at night.
6: We still have fear.
1: To this day? Yes. Yes, sir. You're still afraid?
6: Yes. Oh, sure. Sleeping at night and the thoughts you
1: stay there all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, yes. That someone might come to your door? Yep. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's the trauma It is. Yes, has never ended for you. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine being 107 years old and still having this nightmare. And she shared her feelings with President Biden when he came to Tulsa the weekend of the 100-year memorial. Mother Fletcher, did you get to talk to the president yesterday? Yes. Did you tell him anything?
6: Well, The same thing, we've we've been repeating the same things over, you know, that's what we're here for, is to make the plea for the same thing that well, we should be reimbursed of our loss.
2: And now I introduce to you President Joe Biden.
1: It was a watershed moment in American history when the American president Flew to Tulsa to acknowledge the history here. He spoke in a packed auditorium with Secret Service agents watching the doors and two of the living survivors in the front row closely watching the president. Hell was unleashed. Literal hell was unleashed. Through the night and in the morning, the mob terrorized Greenwood, torches and guns, shooting at will. A mob tied a black man by the waist. The survivors and their families were pleased with a number of promises from the president, like investing $5 billion into historically black colleges and universities and increasing the number of federal contracts awarded to black businesses.
5: We must find the courage to change the things we know we can change.
1: But it sure felt to some people listening that the president was avoiding a controversial word, the word Reparations, And, you know, he said nothing about any direct payments to the victims he was here to recognize. The black families who've been fighting for justice all these years say they were feeling let down once again. The very next day, they held a news conference to talk about an ongoing lawsuit they filed against the government. They want reparations now and are suing for potentially hundreds of millions of dollars that would go to the survivors and any Black family who can trace their roots to Black Wall Street. Which brings us back to the mayor and his position on the lawsuit.
4: I don't wanna settle a a lawsuit and have a property tax levied on this generation of Tulsans to punish them for something that they did not do. And who are funding through their tax dollars, this search and, and so much of the other work that we're trying to do to close racial disparity gaps in our community. I I don't think that, that that is an appropriate step.
1: And you know, the mayor here actually sounds very much like the president. This idea that reparations don't need to mean paychecks and that there are things the city is already doing. I had a powerful conversation with one of his former supporters. Her name is Dr. Tiffany Crutcher, And she's not a fan of his at all these days. Let me talk about your mayor. So what about his position on reparations?
2: Well, his position is, of course, not our position. He doesn't believe uh, in direct payments. He believes that reparations would be divisive. And that is so problematic. Her
1: family lost a whole generation of wealth when their homes and their barbecue business were destroyed in the race massacre.
2: It's so much more, so much bigger than cash payments. We owned land, we owned property, we had airplanes, we had businesses. I can't help but think about J.B. Strafford and the amazing hotel uh, that he built, a three-story hotel with chandeliers. And that was destroyed. It was decimated. And I think about who he could have become. I think about his family's generational wealth that was wiped away he could have been the black marriott hotel he could have been the black hyatt or the hilton all gone
1: she tells me that if the massacre hadn't happened black americans would probably hold all the cards in tulsa
2: i do believe that we would
1: have been running this city and there's one thing she asked me to try and underline
2: i disagree that The new Greenwood Rising History Center is a form of reparations. She tells me to get that right and to
1: share that it doesn't make her feel any better that many of the commissioners behind the new museum are African-American.
2: Now, I would actually agree if that history center had a reparations track where proceeds from profits or revenue was going into a victim's compensation fund or, or, or actually going directly to survivors and descendants, then I could actually agree on that, but that is not the case. Has the
1: group behind the History Center done enough, in your opinion, to care for the families and their survivors?
2: In my opinion, I don't feel like the commission has done enough to care for the survivors and and their families.
1: What she's saying here puts people like Phil Armstrong in a tough spot. He's one of the Black fundraisers and is the new director of the multi-million dollar History Center. It makes him sad that none of the survivors want to be a part of it. And he doesn't like hearing that there are people in Tulsa's Black community who are now questioning his loyalty to his race. We
3: didn't come up these ideas on our own. It was come out of community meetings
1: and suggestions and input from the community. The one woman we talked with, mm-hmm. she said her great uncle was one of the survivors, but he doesn't have the cash in his pocket yeah. to pay for the entry into this museum. And she said, you know, what are we doing mm-hmm. for these people? Mm-hmm. And I got the sense that Black Tulsa residents are perhaps a little salty about this in yeah. you and your new center. Yeah. That is probably
3: one of the more challenging items, is to allow people to understand, black and white, that, number one, there needs to be reparations. Reparations simply is a repairing past damages and making amends. A segment of that can be cash payments to individuals who are directly harmed. I don't think there's anybody that would not support that.
1: It's pretty fair to say that this is wishful thinking. Across this city, state, and even across this country for that matter, the energy against reparations in any form is strong. In Tulsa, the black families who are suing are preparing to argue their case in civil court. A judge in Tulsa has recently agreed to move their case forward. The groups they're suing include the city, the county, and even the state national guard. And you know, these were the same authorities who were demanding that the judge throw out the lawsuit. They argue that this type of claim can't be brought against them and that too much time has passed. And about the investigation. The scientists searching for lost victims are now suggesting that the city try digging in more places. But that would require the city to approve more money for the search, which won't be easy. And even if they find more bodies, the forensic investigators say that they don't know if they'll ever be able to say for sure that the victims were killed in the 1921 massacre. All of this has the survivors and their children emotionally preparing for more disappointment. People are tired, Black Tulsans are tired, and above all, the survivors of this massacre who have gone 100 years and one day without justice are tired. Mother Fletcher tells me that she is indeed tired and says she wants to see damages paid right now, what should I tell someone who may not agree mm-hmm. with giving you a cash payment? Mm-hmm. What would you like me to, to tell someone who needs convincing of this?
6: Well, encourage them to, <laughs> to help do this. And the idea of warning, thinking this should happen, not only for me, but I have children. Grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I really want this for my younger generation, something that I wasn't able to do for, for that reason on.
1: She turns 108 years old in May of 2022, and she tells us it would be yet another crime if she passes away without seeing the justice she feels she deserves. If there's one thing that you want me not to forget to tell America, what do you want me not to forget?
6: Well, you kind of caught me on a blank. But let everyone know that we needs to be immersed from our loss, because I feel like I'm still lost from it. That's my biggest demand.
1: Tulsa's Buried Truth is a production of ABC Audio and the ABC News Investigative Unit. Written by me, Steve Osinsamy. Reported by Investigative Producers Tanya Simpson and Jenny Wagnon-Quartz. Produced by Susie Liu, Alexandra Myers, and Carrie Ann Thomas. Music and mixing by Evan Biola. Our executive producers are Cindy Galley and Liz Alessi. Special thanks to Josh Cohan, Michael Kreisel, and josh hoyas audio histories provided by the tulsa historical society and museum and kevin ross some sound effects were used to recreate historical scenes if you haven't already follow this podcast and let us know what you think with a rating and a review